Well, I'm so glad that you're with us this morning. I'm Petey. I'm the senior pastor here uh, at CPC. And if, if this is your first time here or you've been coming just recently, I'd love to get to know you, to meet you. Please stop by and say hello after the service. And, and if you're watching this online uh, and you're, you've not been regular at CPC uh, for whatever reason, whether you're checking it out for the first time or you've been away for a while, please drop me a note and I would love to respond and say hello. My email address is PDC, P-E-T-E-Y-C at cpcedina.org. Would love to hear from you. Um, just before Christmas, something tragic happened at my alma mater. So I went to Mississippi State University, uh, go Bulldogs. And uh, just before Christmas, our head football coach tragically passed away from a heart attack. And it was the first time that a, an active head coach has ever passed away during a season. It was incredibly tragic and uh, for the university, obviously for his family. Um, but Mike Leach was just a legendary coach and well-known and for, for the, the weeks and months following tributes and videos and stories just poured out of his life and how he loved and cared for players and teams and, and people so well. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget one of the videos that I saw from, from one of the last games he ever coached. Um, the team had just won and in the locker room after he was giving a little you know, pep talk, a little coach speak. And he said, we didn't just beat them today we beat them all week long. He said, we beat them all week long. And what he's saying is that it wasn't just the three hours on a Saturday that you were a good enough team to win that football game. It was the things that you did, the little things over and over and over in preparation and in practice all throughout the week that prepared you to play in that game on Saturday. The things that they did over and over and over made them who they were as players. And I think that's true about life. The things that we do over and over and over, the things that we spend our time on, they make us who we are. If you think about our faith, it's not coming to worship for one hour once a week or once a month or whatever it is for us that makes us in a powerful, meaningful uh, fruitful relationship with God. It is the things that we do over and over and over that define our relationship with God. And we take that incredibly seriously that, that for us as a church, the things that we do as Christians and the things that we do as a, as a local church, the things that we do over and over and over, they define us. They make us who we are. They, they can either invite God's presence and his power into our lives, or they can crowd him out, put him aside, go about our lives as if we do not need him. But I think that what God is calling us to is to lean into what he has for us, that our, our present and our future as a church will be most meaningful and most powerful if we pay attention, if we make space for God to move in our lives through the things that we do over and over and over. In fact, I, I read this quote this past week by a pastor from Portland named Tyler Statton. And Tyler said, the, the desperate need of our time is not for successful Christians, popular Christians or winsome Christians. It's for deep Christians. 
And I, and I believe that. I think that's true. I, I think deep in my bone that it bones that I, that I know that it, many of us have been impacted by winsome Christianity or, or successful Christianity. But at the end of the day, it's, it's the deep Christianity that's connected not to what we can do, but to only what God can do that will make a difference in our lives and in our community and in our world. I want to challenge us uh, today and in over the next few weeks and into the future that we would make space for God to move that we would make space for God to move, that the power and the presence of the God who made you is available to you wherever you are, wherever you find yourself. What would it look like for the things that we do in our lives over and over to make space for God to work rather than crowding him out? So we're gonna look at a story from scripture that'll help us get a picture of this. And so if you have Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 17. There's a few Bibles in front of you. It'll be on the screens. Look it up on your phones. I, I think it's so important that we find God's truth in scripture because nothing clever that I or any of our pastors can say will stick with us the way that God's word will. So we're in Acts chapter 17. We're gonna be in verse 22. Before we read it, I'm gonna do a little bit of setup. And so the book of Acts is, is the story of the early church and how it grew throughout the Roman Empire. And, and, and as you get towards the middle and the end of the book, it's primarily a, an account of these missionary journeys that these early Christians took across the known world to share the gospel with communities all across uh, the Near East and, and what was Asia Minor and, and then into Europe. And, and they're sharing the gospel and traveling. And on one of these journeys, uh, one of the main characters, an apostle named Paul, an early Christ follower, named Paul, he finds himself in Athens, in ancient Athens in Greece. And he finds himself there waiting for some companions to come so they can continue on their journey. And, and again, his whole reason for existence is sharing the gospel. So he wants to go out into the community. He goes out, he's making observations. He's in these, sort of these famous ancient Greek places. Uh, and, and he notices that there are like altars and objects of worship and idols everywhere. These, these things that these ancient people would worship. And, and there, there's a historian. A historian said that it was easier to find a God than a man in ancient Athens. And that's what Paul notices. And, and he looks around and, and, he, and he runs into these people, these philosophers that are debating religion and, and the meaning of life. And he tries to tell them about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And, and then he gets invited as he, as he's sharing this truth, he gets invited to come talk to a group called the Areopagus. And the Areopagus was like, uh, kind of like a Greek philosophy club. And they just debated ideas and debated religions. They just loved learning new stuff. And so they invite Paul to come and share the gospel. And here's, here's what he tells them. Verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and he said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. He says, so you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. So let's pause right there. Uh, last week, I had the, the fortune of, of generosity of some dear friends here to go to my very first ever uh, NFL game. So I got to go to the Vikings playoff game. Sorry to bring it up. It's a little bit of a sore spot, I know. Um, but I got to go. It was, it was so much fun. Um, it, was, it, was, it was just electrifying in the stadium. And what I realized is like as we took a, the drive into downtown, that purple was everywhere. 
I mean, and that's not surprising, but everywhere I looked, purple, 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 all around. And so the Apostle Paul says, when I come into Athens, I look around and all I see are gods. All I see are objects of worship. They had gods on top of gods, on top of gods, on top of gods in the city of Athens. And they even had a, an altar to an unknown God, just, just in case, just to cover their bases, in case there was a God that they didn't know about. We want to please him too. And here's the thing. Here's, here's why you have an altar to an unknown God. Because you believe that you are clever enough to outsmart a God who has decided not to reveal himself to you. So it's not about worship. It's about control. It's about controlling the outcome. I can manipulate this God who doesn't even think that we can find him. We found him. We got him. And he'll do what we say. It was about power and control. It was about what they could do. See, sometimes, if we're honest, we say we want God. But if we look at our lives and the way we live, we really just want to play God ourselves. Many of the things in our lives, the things that we do over and over and over, are not reinforcing that we want what God wants for us. They're reinforcing that we've got it, that we're in control, that we can take things on our shoulders, that we're capable and clever and competent. The things that we do over and over, they remind us of not how good God is, but how good we are. And I think many of us miss God's presence and his power in our lives for the same reason that they missed God's presence and power because they were self-reliant and self-important. And so it's easy for us to say like, yeah, I wanna, I wanna be a deep Christian. But then to spend our lives, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm talking about me, it's easy to say, I wanna be a deep Christian. I wanna walk with Jesus every day. I wanna have a powerful faith. But then I spend all of my time swimming in the shallow water of self-entertainment and distraction and, and seeking my own pleasure and doing the things that make me happy, right? Those are the things that I do over and over, the things that are about me, the things that I can control, the things that I, the things that make me feel good about myself. Right? That's what we end up spending our time doing are the things that are about us. Like we end up crowding out God because our lives are chock full of activities that reinforce that we are the center of the universe. And yet Paul offers them a different perspective on the unknown God. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everything, life and breath and everything else. Pause there. He is not served by human hands. He doesn't need anything from us. He is the one who does the work. And yet, 
you know, what I realize is that we live, in a, we live in an instant world. We live in a world that's so easy to get gratification from anything we want. In fact, uh, I was recently looking for new running shoes. So I, I run uh, and I, you know, every once in a while, you're like, well, those shoes have gotten old or they're a little tired. And so I need to get new running shoes. Not these, by the way. Not running, not running in these. Uh, sorry, I just had to call it out. Uh, New running shoes. And what I found fascinating, and I've been running for a decade or longer, and uh, ever since running shoes have been a thing, since, since the 70s and 80s, since Nike started uh, promoting big in the 80s, uh, that every running company is trying to convince you that they have made a shoe that will finally make running easy. It has this new foam, this new bounce, this new stuff, this new technology, and running will finally not feel like hard work. It'll feel like a day at the beach. It'll be so easy. Your legs will thank you. And I have tried many of those shoes. And never, it's never true. It's always hard. Like, what if, what if running is just hard? Like, what if it's just hard work? What if that's what it is? And it's okay, it's good for you, but it's hard work. It can't be just made easy. There is no easy button. We live in a world with easy buttons, with Amazon Prime. I could get my phone right now and I could order toilet paper and a drone would drop it off at my house this afternoon. I think that's true, right? Isn't that true? It feels like drones just drop off packages on my front door. It's so easy. And what happens is that living in a world like that, it warps our view of God where we think that we can just press the easy button and God will do for us what we want. That we can just show up occasionally, that we can just do the one thing, that we can just say the right things or we can just believe the right things and then God will just shower us with blessings. It'll be a perfect, great, wonderful life with Jesus that we can get God to do what we want. And yet... What does Paul tell them? God is not served by human hands. He doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't live in the little boxes that we make to keep him in. That's not the formula. God doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need anything from us. He does something for us. He doesn't need our sacrifice. He sacrifices himself on our behalf. He sacrifices his son in death and resurrection that we might know new life. And so we practice our faith. We talk about doing these things over and over and over again, not to get something from God, but to work that story deep in our bones that we live and move and breathe and exist out of the beauty and the love of God the Father. That's who we are. We practice our faith to get that story deep inside of our hearts and our souls and our bones. But it's hard work. It's not instant. It's not easy. And I love the words of Pastor Eugene Peterson who said, there is a great market for religious experience in our world. There is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. Little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. If we're honest, we want God to work for us, but we don't want God to go to work on us. That's what he wants to do, though. He wants to go to work. He wants to transform us. He wants to change you. He doesn't just want to give you something. He wants to transform your life. 
Something that's far more powerful and far more meaningful and far longer lasting. But it's hard work of giving our lives daily over and over and over, giving our lives to him. It's hard, but it's good. God has already done for us everything that we need. And yet he doesn't even stop there. He keeps coming towards us. He wants an ongoing relationship. Let's hear the final words of, uh, of this little sermon from Paul to the Areopagus. He says, From one man God made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did, this, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Listen to this. Though he is not far from any one of us. God wants us to reach out and find him. He is not far from any one of us. For in him, for in God, we live and we move and we have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. We all belong to God. We're all his children. He desires a relationship with all of us. He's right there. And if I'm, if I'm completely honest with you, and maybe some of you have felt this way before, Sometimes like the language of a relationship with God can feel like a weird thing to say. It can feel like a hard thing to get my head around. Like I can think about a relationship with my wife, a relationship with my kids, with my friends, um, but a relationship with the God of the universe feels like an odd thing to talk about. It feels both hard to imagine. It feels strangely like intimate and casual for a divine being. And yet... Paul preaches the gospel to these, uh, these Athenians. He preaches the, the truth of Jesus' death and resurrection and the power it can have in their lives. And he says, God wants a relationship. He's there. It's in him. He's right there with you. Turn to him. He wants you to reach out and grab him, to, to be there present with him. He wants an ongoing relationship with you wherever you find yourself. Right? Paul connects the death and resurrection of Jesus, not to something that will happen after we die, even though I believe that we're headed for a glorious future for eternity with Jesus. He connects it to the life here and now. He's encouraging them. It's not far from you. It's possible. The power and the presence of God is right there. And Jesus makes a way for it to be a part of our lives. He wants an ongoing relationship with you. He wants us to make space to the things that we do over and over and over to make space for God to move, to make space for him to change our lives, to live in an ongoing relationship with you. And that's what I want for us as a church, as a church and as, as individual Christ followers, as families. I want us to be people who live in a powerful, meaningful, ongoing relationship with God wherever we find ourselves, with the God who loves us. And not only is it what I want for you, it's what God wants. It's what God deeply desires with you is to have an ongoing relationship with him. And like any good relationship, when we make space for it, it flourishes. And when we crowd it out or ignore it, it withers. And we're not trying to manipulate God as if we're trying to get something out of him. But he wants his power and his presence available to you. I want you to live as if that's possible. I want it to change your life. 
I want it to change your families and your friendships and your workplace. I want it to change us, that there's something better than what we can do for ourselves or what we can try to get God to do for us. There's something that he wants for us, his power and his presence in our lives. And I want to make space. So talking about making space, I just want us to make a little space here towards the end of our gathering to reflect on that ourselves. So I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And uh, in just a few moments, I'm going to give you just a minute or two uh, as they lead us through part of a song to reflect on making space for God. And I have two questions for you. The first is, how are you crowding out God's presence and power? And the second is, what would be different if you made space for God? How would your life look different? So that first question is really a question of where are we distracted? Where are we busy? Where are we apathetic? Where are we self-centered and self-focused that God might want to be doing something, but we're missing it? We're crowding out God's presence because we're not attending to, paying attention to the God who lives and moves, who is right alongside of us, who desires to do something in our lives. And the second question is, what would be different if you made space for God? So imagine your families or your marriage or your relationships, your schools, your classrooms, your workplaces. What would be different if you were able to make space, if you paid attention if the power and presence of God invaded those spaces where you live, what would be different? I just want us to take a few minutes during the first part of this song to reflect on those questions.
find yourself, God is not far from you. He is not far from you. Wherever you find yourself, maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel energized, but God is not far from you and he desires to move you. The gospel matters. It makes a difference in our lives and in the world. It matters. God desires to move us, to move us towards him, to move us towards the ache of the world to move us to respond in love, to know how much he cares for us. I hope that that is something that you're able to make space for, to take seriously, to grow in that relationship with his presence and his power in your life. Amen.